Welcome to She Is Your Neighbor, a show where we discuss the realities and complexities of domestic violence. This podcast is brought to you by Women's Crisis Services of Waterloo Region, a charitable organization in Ontario, Canada. I'm your host, Jenna Main. Join me as we talk to different people each week to learn how domestic violence impacts people from all walks of life. She is your neighbor, and we all have a role to play in ending domestic violence. This episode is called A Conversation on Providing Support with Brittle Star. Stuart Reynolds, better known online as Brittle Star, is a comedian and content creator. He's also known as the internet's favorite dad. In 2020, he started the Christmas Wish Tree to provide gifts to children living in shelters and second stage housing. In this episode, he talks about this initiative as well as other ways that we can support women and children experiencing domestic violence. It was so great to speak with Stuart for this episode. I really enjoy his videos and they have been especially nice to watch during the pandemic when I think we all need a little bit more laughter and fun in our lives. So it was pretty cool to get talking to him for this episode and I hope you enjoy it. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our episode sponsor, LMI Insurance, who has been a proud supporter of Women's Crisis Services for many years. LMI is now part of BrokerLink, one of Canada's largest insurance brokerages. You can rely on the same expert team to protect your home, cars, and business. They'll provide you with all your insurance options to fit your needs. Call 1-800-265-2625 or visit www.lmicanada.com to learn more. Hello again, Stuart, and thanks for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the chat. Oh, me too. It's great to have you here. So can you just start by sharing a little bit about yourself for those listening? Sure. So uh, my name's Stuart Reynolds, I'm better known online as Brittle Star. And for the past eight years or more, I've been creating uh, video content, largely video content, but other social media content as well online on places like Vine, where I started, and and then Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all these other types of places, YouTube and that type of thing. And um, I have somehow been able to create a living out of that. I'm not quite sure exactly how it all worked, but, uh, but it has helped support a family of four for the past eight years. So that's pretty good. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, I love your videos. They're very funny. And during COVID, they give you something to laugh at. So thank you for that. I've been enjoying them. (laughs) Thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. So today I wanted to talk about a few different things with you. But I wanted to start by asking you, I know at the end of 2020, you organized the Christmas Wish Tree. And I know that was to support women and children living in shelters and second stage housing who've experienced domestic violence. And that's why I wanted to reach out to you in the beginning when I saw this. So I'm wondering if you could start by telling me a bit about this initiative. Sure. Um, So the ChristmasWishTree.com site and project, which we'll do again this year, was an idea I had a number of years ago uh, when online shopping really kind of took off. And specifically when Amazon, uh, which you are allowed, you're allowed to hate them. That's okay. Um, but when they created their wish list uh, system, which meant that people could go around, they could shop on Amazon, and they could click things that they didn't want. They couldn't have, they didn't have money to buy, or they didn't want to buy it right away, and they could add it to a wish list. 
And I thought, well, this is perfect for, you know, second stage housing and, and shelters and that type of thing. And then it's even more perfect uh, for people like me who demand instant gratification. I'm, uh, I like doing good things, but I'm also, I suffer from that notion of like, I need to know right away if this is, if, you know, what, what am I getting out of this? So I thought, well, this would be perfect for, for like, again, second stage housing or shelters where we could go to those shelters and say, hey, listen, what do you guys need? Like, go to Amazon and make a list. Like, of course, support your local businesses and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Keep doing that. You could have both. And, you know, go to Amazon, click all the stuff that you need. Specifically for Christmas, we were looking at uh, the kids who were going to be in shelters over the Christmas holidays. And it's like, what do they want? What do they want for Christmas? Not just like, you know, Johnny wants a dolly or something it's more a case of like what dolly does he want what exact doll does that kid want and put that on the list and someone will buy that doll and it really sort of spoke to the idea of you know how especially this past year about how we've been on our phones we've been doing th- so many things remotely and and uh, and doing a lot of online shopping and I thought well how cool is it that you could be basically become someone Santa uh, and not have to leave your couch and you know my whole the whole shtick for christmaswishtree.com was you know, get three eggnogs deep and then turn into Santa. Uh, and just like you could buy gifts for kids anywhere in the world, which was fantastic. We had 27,000 people visit the site in the month of December. And uh, we cleared out a whole bunch of uh, shelter wish lists in downtown Los Angeles and New Orleans and uh, in Canada as well, various places in Canada as well. And uh, it was just really fun. It was really, really cool. So that was kind of the, the idea behind it was helping but targeted helping, and I could just talk forever on it, though. It's just just a fun, simple thing, really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so cool. When I heard about it, I thought, oh, I need to know more. And I'm also curious what inspired you to do this and why choosing this specific initiative? I think, you know, for me, uh, you know, you can look at kids as kind of, lumps of clay and they might have some the type of clay might be determined a little bit but what they turn into can really be you know molded it can really be kind of like decided upon various actions and circumstances and uh, uh, and their environment that they're growing up in and the people who are who are supporting them and taking care of them and I thought you know no as a kid knowing that they're the world isn't all awful is probably pretty powerful uh, and probably curves you a little bit as an individual to think, okay, well, not everybody's terrible. The world isn't absolutely terrible. Maybe I could be one of the good guys too. And uh, that was kind of important to me was like knowing that there are kids out there that are getting a raw deal. Like it's the kids who are staying in shelters. It's not their fault that they're in a shelter. Um, it's probably got very little to do with them, if anything at all, most likely if anything at all. And, you know, they don't have to why why are they suffering like but you know and especially if we've got extra why wouldn't we help and and make you know that a little bit brighter and again show them that the world isn't terrible i think that just sort of helps create better people and i always say like the the notion of uh helping kids out who are in these bad situations it's like if you when you don't and these kids get treated poorly and when they get a raw deal I mean, that's like the that's like supervillain origin story stuff. I think whenever your childhood starts to when you describe someone's childhood and it starts to sound slightly like an origin story, that's when we should probably step in and try to help and try to make it better. You know what I mean? 
Oh yeah, I get that for sure. And so for you, I think it, it sounds like it's a lot about the kids too. And there's a bit of a focus on the kids and kind of wanting to make their Christmas a bit brighter and their life a bit brighter if they are in a shelter or a situation like this that they couldn't control. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, you know, when you're a kid, you're just a passenger. Like you're just, you're just there for the ride. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, whoever's taking care of you, mom or dad or whoever, maybe they're distracted by something. Maybe they're, they've got a lot on their plate. Maybe they're just trying to stay afloat. And if I look at the situation, like, you know, I'm like, I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I'm fairly comfortable and I can sit on my couch and I can drink three eggnogs and I can help out a couple of kids. That's great. That's fantastic. So why wouldn't I do that? And why wouldn't you step in to help? I think it just, it makes the world better in general. And that's a very selfish thing, which I think is fine. Like I'm not a big, I'm not, I'm not a big believer in altruism. I don't think that there's a notion of like, I'm just being good for good's sake. It's like, well, you're kind of being good for good's sake, but you're, you're, you want to feel good by doing good things. And you also, you know, if you're doing good, if I'm helping out these kids and, and making some of these kids better, then I'm making my own world better you know, 10 years, 20 years down the road. So why wouldn't I do that? And is there a particular reason why you're interested in the kids? Like I, I know you have kids of your own and I'm pretty sure you were a teacher in the past too. So I don't know if there's also some other reasons there. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of reasons. I mean, obviously we, you know, we have uh, two sons and they're now uh, grown. They're 19 and 22. And um, I was a high school teacher briefly. Well, actually dig even further back. I was an ECE teacher for a year. Um, and I loved the kids then, except for a couple of kids. Um, but uh, I did that for a year, and it wasn't for me. And then I, I, about 10 years ago, I taught high school to do like an audiovisual, uh, audio and video production specialist uh, class for grade 12s. And you would see these kids, and, it, and you would just think, uh, you know, my kids are fairly fortunate in that, you know, myself and my wife were we're a bit goofy and we're not exactly the most, the bestest role models all the time. But at the same time, it's like our kids have it pretty good and they can come home and their home is a foundation and their home is a, is a a firm concrete ground for them to regroup, for them to plan, for them to rest so that they're able to take on the next day. Uh, And I noticed when I was teaching the high school level, there were some kids who it's like, I think school's it for these people. I think that like, you know, other people are the foundation for these kids. And I think that made it really apparent to me that you, you know, everybody to, to make it fair, everybody needs to know that there's like this level of foundation, that there's this sort of calm, safe, uh, secure place where they can kind of regroup and they can kind of, they know it's okay. Uh, and they know that they can take a breath and they don't have to be on guard and then they can go back out and, and fight the rest of the day. Um, and that kind of, that was a big role, played a big role in why I did Christmas Wish Tree. And, and, and if I can, uh, you know, help out kids in general, I'm happy to do that. And, you know, my wife worked in the school system as well and, uh, and saw those same stories where she would see kids and it'd be really just really apparent that it's, you know, the kid was acting out a certain way. But the reason the kid was acting out was because of, you know, what was happening at home. You know, I certainly saw that even growing up myself. There's lots of kids who were, you know, seen as bullies. And then you'd, you'd kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and realize, well, no, these kids are getting, you know, either beaten up at home by you know, the person supposed to be taking care of them uh, or they've got a terrible home life. And uh, you start to see that, you know, 
we're just creating these people. Like that's just that's just it. We're just like we're creating these the people who are who are not everyone, but uh, some of the people who turn into issues and problems for society later on. We've created them, so we need to stop doing that, and we need to try to, you know, create less of them if we can, by you know showing them that the world isn't horrible and that there are good people. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, and I think that's for us what this project is about too: is showing we all have a role to play in ending mm-hmm. domestic violence, and I think we really can all take a role. Sometimes it might seem like we don't know anyone experiencing this, or the problem doesn't really impact us personally. So you know. What do I have to do with it? But like you're saying, I think there's so many people out there, whether it is the bully at school, you don't know what's going on in people's lives. So I think it is important for us to all think about that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't excuse behavior. You can't just, you know, you can't be horrible. But at the same time, I think you have to, you know, for the people who are like, well, I don't have kids or it doesn't doesn't involve me or everything's fine with me. It's like, well, but, you know, your world is impacted by the other people in it. <laughs> so if you can help those other people be happier, friendlier, nicer people who don't mistrust everybody and don't rather distrust everybody um, because of terrible situations, if you can show those people that, that there are good people out there and that there's, there is goodness out there, um, then that makes your life easier. Then you don't have to, you know, it, it means, I mean, I'm not a professional in this matter at all, but... I think that uh, to me, it would strike me as like, well, if you, you know, your society gets better if we can make, take care of kids and we can help people through things, um, then just society gets better. Which means that when I go to the grocery store, I don't have to panic walking back to my car. Uh, you know, it's just like it turns into a whole bunch of stuff that it's like, well, we can curb this by again not creating supervillains. You know, like we do. If it starts to sound like an origin story, we need to step in and help them and fix them because it's not. You know, I don't have an origin story. I'm just like an idiot. And it's like, maybe that's why I'm fairly nice. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You are fairly nice. (laughs) Fairly nice. Yeah, exactly. That's the bar. Fairly. Fairly nice. Um, And I know you're talking about before about how it was important for kids to have role models. And, you know, and sometimes they get that at school. Maybe it's not at home. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's not a parent. And for kids to have someone to kind of look up to and whatnot, I'm just wondering, I know you mentioned when you were a kid, you you knew other kids as well, but I'm wondering if you think back to your own childhood, if there were any memories that stick out to you um, as times that you really learned from that kind of are around this, this issue. Yeah, I mean, I think that the... For as a, as like as a boy growing up, looking up to other males, um, you know, I was fortunate that you know my dad is a, has been a wonderful dad to me, and I think what I looked up to was people like him that had a steady hand in the sense that uh, they didn't get flapped, they weren't freaking out, worried about looking manly, and it was just kind of like it's you know it's okay, everything's just everyone take it down a notch and just relax. Um, so they weren't constantly trying to prove themselves or prove that they were manly or prove that they're masculine. Uh, they weren't flying off the handle. They weren't trying to prove something. They weren't sort of, you know, constantly on guard and constantly on the offense. They were just kind of comfortable and, and accepting and kind of, you know, um, aware of the fact that, uh, you know, some other person who might be different in some way that doesn't 
necessarily present a threat to you. It's you know, and also this and the same thing. One of the things my dad's Scottish, mom and dad are Scottish, and one of the, my dad's best sayings is uh, when he would meet someone from Scotland, he talked to someone, and afterwards he'd be like, "Just because you're from Scotland doesn't mean you're nice." So it's kind of like that notion of like ev- you treat everyone as an individual, and uh, you just because they're a, they look like you or sound like you doesn't mean they're automatically good. And doesn't and this and conversely, if they don't look like you and don't sound like you, doesn't mean that they're bad either. It's just kind of you just sort of you know take people as you get them. I think it's really important. I think that's one of the things that, um, for me, uh, you know, having a, a bit of a platform on social media, and having people watch and and you know starting on Vine. The original audience on Vine was eight to thirteen year olds. Um, so I mean, I was like ancient i started when i was 43 and i was ancient when i started uh on vine and these kids would comment things like you know you're so old you're like 40 years old and i'd be like yes yes i'm like 40 years old that's right (laughs) i'll take 40 you've just shaved three years off my life so i think it was important though for me as like a a middle-aged white guy to show people that you can be okay with stuff. You can be, you can be calm. You can be like not judgmental. You can be, uh, and I kind of, I, I have an issue with the word tolerant, but that idea of like, I don't need to get my guard up over everything. Cause it doesn't affect me and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't. And if someone else is happy, well then that's good. The more happy people there are, again, it goes back to the society thing for me. It's like the more happy people there are, the better society will be in general. And I think it's important for me to sort of show as hopefully for other kids. And I've had lots of people say, you know, in comments, I wish you were my dad and stuff. And my kids would just be like, oh my God, no, you don't. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, it's it's important to kind of show kids especially that, and people any any age, but uh, that role model wise, and I, and I don't think I'm a role model by any stretch, but I do, I think I'm, I think I'm modeling good behavior hopefully is the idea. And I think that's really important to do. And, you know, I'm trying to make things better for me and everybody else. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I I think it's an interesting point you raise about you do have quite a big platform and there are people watching and listening. So uh, it sounds like you feel like you have some responsibility to use that in a bit of a way. For sure. Um, Yeah. And I know you picked this this initiative to support those experiencing domestic violence in these situations. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, do you know anyone who's experienced domestic violence or why is this important to you? I think it's important to me because I mean, for obviously the obvious reasons it's important. It's like no one wants to see kids go through horribleness. Um, You know, we live really close to uh, a women's shelter and uh, I'll see, you know, the kids playing outside and into these, you know, these like forced friendships with these other kids where they're like, I don't know who the hell you are. Um, but they'll have fun and they'll do kid stuff. And it's like, these are just regular kids. And if you transported these kids uh, to anywhere, you know, to any other scenario, any other environment, if you transported them from outside this women's shelter to Rosedale in Toronto or something where you like transport them to like the ritziest neighborhood, they're just kids. They look the same. They look. They do all the same stuff, and you, it's sort of heartbreaking to watch the kids who are in front of the shelter. It's like I hope these kids get the leg up. I hope they get the little boost to sort of like level the playing field a little bit, so they can go on and they can become amazing. So you know, it, it's. I think that you you can't. There thankfully there are people in the world 
who are much better trained, who are trained, first of all, at helping with domestic violence and can actually step in to help the people who are direct victims of domestic violence and abuse. I'm not that person, but I know that there's peripheral damage that happens from that. And if I can help a little bit with the peripheral damage, great, then that's what I'll do. And then conversely as well, like even spun out further, it's like, you know, uh, there's been guys who watch the videos that I do who I know are a little rough around the edges and I'm hoping that they watch this, watch some of the stuff and go, well, he seems to be okay with this. So, you know, maybe I'll calm down a little bit, but maybe not worry about this as much. I don't know. That's overstating my way overstating my effect. Um, but that idea of like, you know, uh, hopefully again, modeling good behavior, you're, you know, you're, you're virtue signaling for all the best reasons. Oh, yeah. And well, speaking of your videos, I'm interested to ask you about this because I do think this topic of conversation is a bit different than what you normally talk about. You know, you're a comedian, you make funny videos, but I'm also kind of wondering if you think that there's room or a role at all for comedy in these types of discussions. Not saying that abuse is funny, um, to be clear, but I know that you've used comedy in a way um, that kind of informs and educates people about different topics. You know, I think of your COVID videos, your racism videos, things like that. So I'm just wondering if, is there room for comedy and discussions about domestic violence? Like, what's your view on that? Well, yeah, I think there is. And again, like to reiterate exactly what you said, there's nothing funny about domestic violence. I mean, it's just like there's nothing funny about racism and there's, you know, nothing funny about COVID. But the surrounding stuff, you can kind of point at the ridiculousness of something of it. You can point to the ridiculousness of a very serious topic. And by doing that, you're kind of you're kind of pinpricking it a little bit like the balloon of awfulness. You're kind of pricking that balloon with some comedy and it kind of takes the air out of some stuff and it kind of lets people hopefully have a better perspective of, of what it is. Um, one of the things I try to do with my videos is to create a script where I'm, it's me and the viewer on the same side. We might not be on the same side of the issue initially, but I want to be on the same side like we're just having a chat like you and I are having now. And if I can hold something up and go, but we both agree this is ridiculous, right? Um, or I'll frame it in a way so it's like, what's well, evident that it's ridiculous. And ridiculous in its broadest sense, meaning not ridiculous as in like just, you know, you know, butt gusting laughter. But, but what I mean is like ridiculous and that it doesn't make sense. And it's and it's why is this happening? This is really, really silly. And I think you can apply that to things like very serious issues like domestic violence, where you can kind of use it and sort of say like, you know, like me mentioning the story, you know, turning kids like if their childhood starts to sound like an origin story. It's not making light of anything that's happening with any kids whatsoever, but it's pointing at that ridiculousness, hopefully, so that people listen and go, oh, crap, yeah, no, that does sound like a comic book story. We should probably fix this. And if you can kind of point out those absurdities and those ridiculous points, I think it makes it sometimes easier for people to define what the issue is and, and what an issue is and then also how to act on that issue. It's like, well, there's something I understand that's wrong or weird or absurd or ridiculous, so how can we change that? Oh, yeah, I think so, too. And that's why I was kind of wondering, because I have seen your videos, like I think of the ones on racism. And I think I, I'm curious too what the reaction to those videos have been like, because you do have such a wide audience in various platforms, too. So I'm curious what what people react like to those. Uh, I've been pretty fortunate. I mean, I think that most people kind of come on side. And I think that I'm 
people are fairly like largely supportive in general like sort of 98% of the people who I see responses from are very are very supportive and very in, in agreement or they're coming around and going you know you're making a good point um, which is great I think there's you know some dissenters but at the same time and I think that's you know sometimes there's a there's sometimes people will say you know this is a great message or whatever but you're preaching to the choir like you know these these people are already converted to the what you're trying to say but I do think that one of the benefits of comedy is that it ends up getting uh, it's got a very wide distribution like it's something that's that can be funny can end up being consumed by a much wider audience than just a serious message on the same topic and when that happens I think that you end up like to take the church analogy or metaphor further I think it's supposed to preach into the choir you end up you know getting some splashback on the back pews I think that you get uh you know, you get people who are maybe uh, on the fence about something or maybe not totally of that or haven't fully thought about it and an issue, whatever the issue is. And I think that comedy has the ability to kind of pull those people in and go, oh, I hadn't actually thought of it that way or that analogy or whatever. And that, yeah, that makes more sense to me now. Um, so it's been it's been pretty supportive from people. Um, there's always going to be terrible. There's always going to be terrible people, but. I know that's the whole goal, isn't it? To stop the kids from turning into terrible people. And so part of this project um, is about asking people to be good neighbors and think about their neighbors because she is your neighbor. There's so many people experiencing domestic violence in so many no neighborhoods and we don't always know who they are and who this is impacting and how. So I'm also wondering what your thoughts are on how we can all be good neighbors to women and kids experiencing domestic violence. I think that, uh, I think that there, again, there's more, for the sake of kids, I think that there's more benefit than you realize to modeling good behavior. Um, and not just being good, but being kind, being understanding, having the time of day for someone. Um, I know in various places we've lived where there's been, you know, you could tell there's been something mm, a little rough maybe in a household. And you see certain kids out who are just like a little rough. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, making an effort to say hello, making an effort to content, to, to communicate, making an effort to uh, to let them know that they exist in your world and you exist in their world, um, I think really helps. I think that probably goes further to, you know, not just the kids, but also, you know, in keeping with this particular uh, initiative that you're doing it's you know she's your neighbor it's like you just have to there's a point in which you need to get professional trained help for sure and you don't have to know all the answers um, but it, even just on its base level I think that you know letting someone know that they are someone in your world and you are someone in their world I think that kind of helps you know a little bit I think it must help a little bit and knowing that okay this person is not judging me this person is not condemning me this person is not uh hasn't just painted me as a two-dimensional character uh based on what they're seeing and i know they're seeing whatever's happening um but that idea of like i i matter i'm you know i exist and uh and i have an impact on the world and the world of this person saying hello so i think even just little things like communicating and greeting and and that type of thing is really important and making sure that those people know that that you're I, don't know, I, would, I was going to say the word ally, but that's not necessarily exactly what I mean. That sounds a bit more mil militant than I want it to. But that idea of 
knowing that there's again that you're both in it like this is reality this is life and we're both in it <laughs> so you know i want things to be nice and i want you to be happy and and uh and if you can express that in any sort of any sort of way whether that be you know helping with garbage cans or saying hello or uh chit-chatting or talking about the weather or whatever i mean any all that stuff i think helps and maybe leads to people who are in bad situations feeling like they can talk to other people which is a and it might not be you it might they might go to a professional which is probably great and better but it means that they know that their voice is heard and i think that's really important yeah i think so too and i think of those people in bad situations that you mentioned like i think we don't always know what's going on and you had mentioned earlier about um kids who have been bullies and and maybe how we don't fully know the story there i'm wondering if you have any stories about this that you could share to kind of help illustrate that we don't always know what's going on for people yeah no there was i mean there was a a, a guy who i was in middle school with who was uh known as a bully and a rough guy rough kid and um to the point where, uh, you know, our gym teacher, and it doesn't matter if I'm telling you, this gym teacher's retired now. I don't know, whatever. He could be dead, whatever. Um, but he at one point said, okay, when I blow a whistle, I, when I blow the whistle in the gym, I want everyone to just basically pummel this kid, like to get back at him. And I was like, even at the time, even though I, I know I'm an old guy and I know that when I was in middle school, things were different then. But even then it was like, I don't think this condoning beating the crap out of a kid is a good idea. So I didn't partake. But sure enough, he came out and blew the whistle and kids went to town. Because a lot of these kids were like, well, this kid beat the crap out of me last week. So, yeah, I'm going to take a couple shots. And it was really horrible. Because it was like, even at the time when I was in grade seven, I was like, this isn't good for anybody. First of all, it makes the teacher look horrible. Secondly, none of these kids who are getting the boot in are going to feel better. They're going to, they're going to think about this for a while and go, Oh, I don't know if that was good. Uh, and then of course the, the kid himself, who was the bully, you know, when you found out recently, you know, later after that, he would, he came to school with like this huge carpet burn on the side of his face. And we'd found out that his stepdad had basically like beat the crap out of him and dragged him across the carpet. And, uh, you realize, Oh, Okay, well, you know, I might, my mom and dad and I might not get along great. They might yell at me to turn my music down or whatever, or, you know, to wear a coat when I go outside to play road hockey. But my dad isn't dragging my face in the carpet and beating the crap out of me. So maybe he's got things a little worse uh, than I do. And I think that that, again, it's not that you're excusing those actions because you're not allowed to be horrible in society. However, I think that there's symptoms there. There's signals there. There's signs there for you to, you know, what would have been maybe better is to uh, to say to the gym teacher, you know, I think so-and-so is getting the crap beat, about, beat out of him at home. Is there anything we can do? And, and honestly, at the time, I don't know if there was anything that they would have, would have done or could have done. Um, but I think the ch- it's changed days, and I think there are mechanisms, mechanisms now in place where, and we're hopefully getting even better at it uh, over time. But that notion of... Uh, you know, we don't know what's happening. And again, it doesn't excuse bad behavior. I mean, there's a really fantastic quote by uh, Pete Davidson, the comedian, but he says uh, he's got, he's publicly dealt with mental health issues. And he's like, you know, just because I have mental health issues doesn't mean I get to be an asshole to the postman. And it's like, yeah, you're right. You don't get to, you have to, everyone's got their responsibilities to society and you have to be nice to each other because that's just how society works best. 
so it's not that it excuses the reactions of you know this particular kid in grade seven but at the same time it's like oh well there should have been something in place that there should have been you know teachers or something who said let's figure out how we can make this kid feel empowered and worthwhile and not feel like he has to vent by beating up kids weaker than him because when he goes home he gets he's the weak one he gets beaten up like that's there could have been ways to deal with it and I, and I hope that that's changing now and I hope that schools are getting better at that and I don't know if necessarily they are but I hope they are yeah I think so and I think having these conversations too is helpful and the more we talk about it I, I do really feel it helps break away some of the shame and stigma that is associated with domestic violence and hopefully it can make it a little easier for people to talk about and um, to show others that we are there to support them and there's lots of people out here uh, who do want to support you and there are services and people in place that that can so that's that's my hope as well yeah absolutely i think it's really important for anyone that's going through domestic violence or abuse in any form um, i think it's really important for them to know that it's in all of our best interests to help you. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm, it was so great to talk with you and kind of talk about this because I think it's it's a, something different and you're kind of an entirely different person to speak to uh, on this issue, being a comedian, <laughs> someone who makes videos. You know, it's just kind of a different angle and I think it just shows we all have a role to play no matter who you are and I, I really appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. And I think that if, you know, one of, the, one of my superpowers is, uh, to keep on the comic book uh, theme, one of my superpowers is showing people just how low the bar is. So I think that, uh, you know, if you, if you look at me and you think, well, that guy's doing something good, maybe you could do something good too. That wraps up this week's show, but the conversation is far from over. We want to hear what you think. Use the hashtag SheIsYourNeighbor on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and join in the conversation. We all have a role to play in ending domestic violence.